Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The last week of October is Magic Week, so it's time to hear from one of today's top illusionists. I spoke to the enigmatic David Blaine when he mystified MGM National Harbor near Washington, D.C. in 2018. Hey, Jason, how's it going? Hey, is this David Blaine? Yeah, this is. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. This is It's a thrill to talk to you. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us here. We're here talking about your show at MGM National Harbor on Sunday, June 24th. Now, um, I, know you, I know you don't want to give away any of your specific tricks or anything, but is there some sort of teaser of what sort of stuff we're going to expect from this particular tour? my most difficult and craziest endurance challenge of my career. It's a a whole bunch of the things I've worked on my entire life, and I usually do one. If I do one, it'll be one on its own, you know, months or years apart from anything else. But this is all of them combined into one night, combined with magic. So it has everything that I love that I've worked on, plus new magic, plus me pushing my body more than I ever have for any single show that I've ever done, night after night after night. So hopefully we're going to be able to pull this off. (laughs) I think you'll be able to. While you're in town, do you have any plans on doing some surprise, you know, street magic, just while you're hanging out by the hotel or wherever? Yeah, I'm always doing that. And I'm also always before the show to get some energy because I'm always low energy because I don't eat every single day that I have a show. So in order to get some energy, what I usually do is wander into the crowd a little bit. Gotcha, gotcha. So the lobby at like 7.30, I'll be doing close-up magic, a little bit mixing in with the audience and stuff like that. So don't just show up at right for the show. Go a little early because you might get a, a sneak peek out, out and about around the venue. You don't yeah, actually in the venue even. In the venue too. Oh, awesome. Um, you mentioned that you um, that you don't eat every day. I'm, I'm actually really curious about that. Just your um, because to do all these death-defying stunts and underwater and you know buried alive and standing on pillars, all that stuff. You have to be in a really um, honed physical. You know, your body instrument has to be honed. What sort of what do you, what is your routine in terms of working out or eating or meditating, deep breathing, f- yoga? What what is it? Well, during the show, what I do is. Usually I'm fasting every day because I can't eat anything because there's an act that I do where you use uh, your stomach as as the method. So I drink a gallon of water, put it in my stomach, and drink kerosene, spit it out, blow fireballs, and then extinguish the fire with the water in the stomach. So for that reason, obviously you can't eat. There's lots of things that that, that are you know, holding my breath every night. So I kind of focus on not eating, but you need the electrolytes so you don't go into cardiac arrest. So then I'm constantly drinking TV lights or 
coconut water, just things with high electrolytes, so I can push myself as far as I can, but hopefully not have a, a Harry Houdini-type incident happen, which is after his water tank one night, he collapsed on stage, was rushed to a hospital, and then died Yeah. So on Halloween, 1922. So therefore, pushing but being very careful to make sure that I'm you know, preparing as best as I can. Paint sort of a, a picture in our listeners' minds here. So you are you're underwater. You're holding your breath, or or you're or you're standing on a pillar. You know, but and you, literally death is all around you. Where do you, what is that mental space? You close your eyes. What do you what are you envisioning? Are you is there like a mantra you're saying? Is there an image you're imagining, or is it just silent, calm, quiet? Usually, I focus on my breathing. When I'm holding my breath, it's the opposite because you can't breathe. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. water. So that's. So what I've learned to do is I, I have an imaginary world that I travel through. So I put myself in this meditative state. I move around in my mind to every body part, put everything to sleep, starting with the feet to the legs, all the way up into the shoulders and then to the head. So everything is now sleeping and relaxed. I don't waste any oxygen. And then I start focusing on the ocean itself, and I imagine them drifting into the abyss. I visit all sorts of different amazing creatures. I see sharks. I start traveling. And then I start thinking about the show. I start thinking about my daughter, about all the things that help me get through when it starts to get difficult. And then as it starts to get really hard, then I start to just focus on pushing as far as I can and trying not to black out. And then I push, 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 and try to go further and further every single night. And then so far I've made it, but it's only been three nights. Which one puts you to the limit the most? Because I remember there was the Buried Alive in New York, there was the block of ice, there was the, the tall pillar, there was the a little floating water tank one time, the, the Tesla vaults. So you've done so many cool ones, but which one personally, looking back in hindsight, were you like, damn, that was, that was as close to death as I've ever been? They all push in different ways, but the ice being in the block of ice, I almost went into shock. I just miscalculated that one, I think. Yeah. Um... The, the pillar, I started to hallucinate on it, so that that one became really difficult. ABC was, the you know, the network that aired it, so they suddenly put boxes really big around the floor below me, afraid that I was going to leap off in the wrong direction or something. Um, in London, 44 days with nothing but water. Mild organ failure, but full recovery, as expected. New England Journal of Medicine actually published a paper on it, which I'm pretty proud about, called The Refeeding of David Blaine. Because <laughs> um, we gave, unlike most people that are doing stuff like that, they're usually doing it as a protest or something like that. I just did it as a fast, as an endurance piece. So it was, it was pretty simple in that sense. But therefore, I was giving all my blood and urine to the doctors and, and researchers. Wow. Um, the water tank, you know, the, the, the part of it that people were aware of was you know, I held my breath for the world record. I didn't succeed the first time, but I was also submerged for a week continuously, which at that time was another world record, but I just didn't enter it as such. Um, but that one was, was kind of beautiful. But it gets, they, the pain comes in ways that you don't really anticipate or imagine. So, you know, every single one has a different element of fighting the conditions, but I've, I've always been pretty good at doing that since I was a kid. In the middle of the winter, I'd walk around with just a T-shirt on, and 
not that I recommend any of these things, but I was I was always pushing myself to see how much I could endure right. without you know breaking myself. I w- I'm curious about that. You mentioned as a kid, so you were gr- you grew up, I think, in Brooklyn, right? How did you actually? Do you remember when you first encountered magic? Was there? I mean, you mentioned Houdini earlier, but um, who? Who? I guess who? Who from your childhood did you did you admire magician wise? Like I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and had a single mother, and we didn't have many things, but she used to always give me the opportunity to see as much as I could. So we'd go to Coney Island, and there was like an aquarium there, and and they taught kids how to play with the underwater animals and things like that. And I would see magicians at Coney Island and all the freak performers, sword swallowers, uh, guys doing rope tricks and all that. And she'd always stop and let me watch. And and I was always fascinated. And then, you know, she gave me a deck of cards when I was about five. I carried it everywhere. And and a librarian started walking me through a simple book of self-working card magic. So when my mom came to pick me up, I did the trick to her. She went crazy and thought they were amazing, even though they were just simple, you know, anybody could do type card tricks. But, but because of her reactions, I started to want to learn more and more to amaze her. So it kind of began with me amazing my mother and her friends, and then it just became a, a passion that I just never relented on. And then, of course, I discovered Houdini, and he was the underwater master. He would escape from anything. So I never wanted to copy him, but I... I looked at what he did, and he was an uh, he was an escape artist. I mean, and I was always good at enduring things. So I kind of just went with the the concept of an endurance artist, which came off of that, really. Yeah. How much How much was your TV special Street Magic? I think you were like in your early twenties at that point. How much was that a game changer career wise? Because I remember, I mean, that's when I first discovered you, and a lot of us. Um, that, that's when you sort of went national and, and global when we all tuned in there, and the camera wasn't cutting, but the you, you were doing these insane card tricks and everything else. And um, I think that's when it when you really blew up with the masses. But how much of a game changer was that to take you from uh, a performer, you know, in in, well, in I, regional, but to go global? Well, I had this concept that I was pushing. I was always, you know, I didn't have resources to go buy magic illusions and big props and stuff. So my my resource was simply a deck of cards. And that was the stuff I liked, but I always watched people's reactions when I was doing magic. And I always thought that was the coolest part. When you turned on the TV, the only thing you would see is world's greatest magic. And it'd be these magicians, you know, floating around on the stage and doing all these big illusions, which were unattainable. So I started to think, well, let me try to come up with a way to show what I like. So I focused on the reactions. I would just run around doing magic to people, and I'd use my friend's camera, and I would just record those reactions, and I would show whether you're, whether you're, you know, white or black or young or old or Jewish or Christian or, you know, rich or poor. I would just put all these people together on the street and film them all laughing and reacting together, and that became the message. So I finally took that concept around and eventually ABC liked what I was doing and what I was saying, which was I'm going to show through magic that all people are the same. And then that became the seed of the idea, which I called street magic. And I called it street magic just because I wanted the title to underplay the show as opposed to the world's greatest magic. I was thinking of like, what's the opposite of that type of title? So the, the, the lowest title I could think of was street magic. <laughs> and that became the, uh, the concept for the, show and then i did a stunt called buried alive and that that seemed like the the stunt that kind of brought brought the uh global media to pay attention and then i just kept going on with those two things i loved which was endurance stunts and 
Awesome. Well, I think you were put on this planet for a reason. Some of us were meant to do regular day jobs, and you are like this crazy spiritual animal that just is some cosmic treat for us. So thank you, sir. Again, David Blaine at MGM National Harbor Sunday. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.